0: Uh, Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter (laughs) 9. Appreciate the uh, ministry so far this morning. Luke chapter 9, I had a a friend of mine, he was uh, telling me about a young man in his church that had been involved, had been... Uh, really showing promise, and then suddenly dropped off, wouldn't talk to the pastor, uh, wasn't uh, doing <coughs> involved in any outreach, wouldn't help unless uh, they personally uh, asked him and was in constant conflict with the concert director. So he called him in, <coughs> excuse me, and asked him, you know, what, what's up? You've changed. Something, something's going on here. And said, out it came, he felt that he was more qualified than the guy who was picked to be the concert director. And he was mad that somebody else was sent out instead of him. (coughs) And when I heard that, I said, that is the beauty of discipleship. Imagine if all we had was a class and having someone take a test, he would have had that in his heart and you would have never known. But in the process of discipleship, what he was, was able to be brought to the surface so he could deal with it. Thank God he recovered. He's in ministry today. In the scripture that we are going to read, Jesus is dealing personally with some disciples as their heart is exposed. This is going to be true for every single person that is here There is a process of personal discipleship. God is going to deal with you individually. That is very, very uh, uh, important. There are pastors that are here. You are going to have to deal with your men individually. I want to preach about personal discipleship. Luke chapter 9, if you want to read with me, starting at verse 51. Excuse me, like a breathe, it would be much better. <laughs> Came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers before his face. They went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Literally, do you want us to burn them alive, even as Elijah did? And he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you're of, for the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Personal discipleship. I want to begin, I want to talk about the need for discipleship. For a moment, Pastor Lamb mentioned uh, the uh, Jewish method of training men. It it involves schooling. (coughs) There was a a certain level of instruction that uh, was involved in the taking of tests. And this is what the church world uses almost exclusively is the issue of schooling. Bible schools or seminaries. Problem with that, number one, it has a limited time frame. In other words, whatever how long the course is, you take this for four years or 28 credit hours or whatever, you're done, and then all the process is finished. It has a limited scope. That is instruction. If you can pass a test, you will qualify. And the third thing is it mostly ignores the issues of character. Now, the Bible is... Clear that the foundation of ministry is uh, a character. I talked a little bit about this. This is going in a slightly different vein. First Timothy three, I uh, mentioned this scripture. The Bible says it gives us a list, but it begins by saying a pastor must be. These are issues that must be at work in the heart. But the key to character, what you are on the inside. Two important issues, character must be revealed. It's inside, it can't be seen. But it has to be exposed. And secondly, once it is exposed, it must be worked on. And this is uh, very important, Uh, 1 Timothy 3.10. Let these also first be proved. Uh, There is uh, proof of what is inside. In other words, we demonstrate our character by decisions and actions uh, and uh, attitude, so the bible method of of uh, raising uh, uh, men is discipleship, and this is a Jesus method of how you develop men. A disciple is a learner, so you have a uh, uh, someone uh, who they join themselves. Uh, to a, uh, a teacher, literally we would say a pastor, who's going to impart the things they need to reach destiny. I'm laying a foundation, and we're going to get to the key issue for a moment. Just bear with me. Three issues that are at stake in discipleship. Number one is qualification. When character is, is uh, observed and revealed, uh, the key is we're finding out, do they qualify? Here is uh, Gideon, that God spoke to him. There's a huge gathering of men but as these men are all gathered God said in Judges 7 4 there's still too many take them to the water I will sift them uh, for you there if I say this one will go with you he'll go but if I say this one shall not go he will not go so here's the truth uh, of the, the in the issue of discipleship you are seeing, number one, whether a man qualifies simply because they attend, simply because they own a Bible, does not mean that they should be in the ministry. Number two is equipping. This is what discipleship does, is it puts the things into a man that he will need for ministry. Romans 1.11, I long to see you that I may impart or put into you some spiritual Gift. And so in our scripture, Jesus is recognizing if you are going to minister, he's dealing with the heart as it is the problem with many of us. He says the problem, you have a heart the size of a pea. Prejudice. Here, Lord, here the first time there's a problem, I got to answer it. Let's kill them all. He said, your heart is the size of a pea. And he says, no, no, I need to put something into you. Some love for people, make it larger. The third issue in discipleship is simple survival. And uh, I want to tell you something is that there can be things in our hearts that can destroy us. Let me say two words to you. I want you to remember about ministry. Ministry magnifies there is in the process when you get involved or you want to pastor someday, whatever is in here will get bigger. If what is in there is good, that's fine. If what is in there is bad, that's not good. And so this is the issue. There can be issues of rebellion or bitterness or an entitlement mentality, issues of lack of integrity with money, all these things that are, you can cover them, you can smile, you can pretend. Ministry magnifies. And so because of this, here is the process in discipleship. Now we get to the central issue of our scripture and this is what I'm preaching about. The problem with everything that I have said, we want to be equipped, we want to qualify, we want to uh, to survive, et cetera, et cetera. Our problem is this, it is blind spots. That means there are things inside of us that we are totally unaware of. We can't see it. You ever had this happen? You've been in a group of people, you've been out... And then somewhere you get in front of a mirror and you look and you had like spinach in your teeth. It's like, oh, man. And you had no idea. You go, hi. You just, <laughs> someone's hanging out of your nose. It's like, man, how long has that been there? And you had no idea. We had a, we had a wedding recently. Some new converts got married. I don't know if this is it. Uh, we found this guy a suit. I don't know if he's ever been in a suit. He's standing at the back. He is so proud. He's looking smooth. They're going to get married. They got all found. I think they brought about 40 of their friends and family, all that. I went up, Johnny, you are looking fine, but your fly's undone. <laughs> he, he's standing at the back, man. <laughs> like no, no. And he had no... Clue. That is our problem. See, here's the problem in discipleship, (coughs) is that in character, we can have things about us that we don't know. Here are the disciples, they're arguing, who's the greatest? Oh yeah, who's the greatest? And Jesus goes, what? Get thee behind me, Satan. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't, you're not getting this. This is the problem in discipleship. We can, we can, in our minds, think things about ourselves that are not even in line. We just had the conference in July, and it fascinates me as a disciple-making pastor to, to watch the, uh, 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 the uh, maneuverings of disciples in a larger church before conference. Before conference, I have people come, and, and uh, they suddenly want to talk, you know, gosh, I need to talk to you. What happens if you have a problem with someone and it just happens to be the person they view as their rival in discipleship? And someone told me that some uh, uh, disciples' wives were getting uh, together. And one of them made the statement, yeah, because, you know, we're, we're, we're next. And the problem was the person who had come to the conclusion, we're next, you are delusional. That's, that's like not even close. What are you smoking? So you're coming to church. You go, I'm ne- no, no, you got spinach in your... No, no, you don't get it. So what we need is we need someone to show us our blind spots. This is the beauty of marriage. When you have someone who knows you intimately, they can gaze into your eyes and say those words lovingly, "Did you swallow a dead rat because your breath is killing me?") <laughs> and we had no clue. You need someone to tell you the truth. How many you know what I'm talking about? So the answer in discipleship is you need a pastor. You need someone who in the issues of the heart and in character who will help equip you. But part of the way that they are going to expose your character to be able to work on it is they are going to tell you the truth. Here are these disciples. Think about it. This question that they're asking, when they ask this question, they are thinking, man, this is so spiritual. Lord, you know, like Elijah called down fire. Would you like us to call down fire and burn these people up for you? <laughs> in thy name. And Jesus says, your spirit is funky. They had no clue. This would have destroyed them if that this had not been dealt with. I want to say to you something. <laughs> if you do not have a pastor, uh, that can be literal, you know, the, whether you don't go to church or whether you go to church, but you don't really think that your pastor is good. At, if you don't have a pastor, you're, you will always be funky. Here's the problem. Pastor Lamb, I think, even mentioned this. In passing is those who do not have a pastor, they are psychos. You ever met this, people? I was pioneering, had a friend that was pioneering the next city over (coughs) from us. And uh, uh, Pastor Mitchell came, was preaching a revival for us, and so the churches were going to come. So, you know, he's a... He's a new pastor. He's desperate to bring anybody. He had met this guy on the street. And uh, this man, he, he was a, a religious guy, had no connection with any church. And so he, uh, uh, these days it would be on the internet, he'd be writing a blog. Back then he used to type out his own little kind of uh, religious sort of newsletter This is the kind of guy, his uh, high high moment in life was when he protested the Pope when he came to uh, a city nearby. That was him. So I have to describe. Now, this man would meet people. He has typed out his revelations. He would hand these out. But I have to give you a description now. The pastor brings him. First of all, he had, uh, his pants were like up to here. He was waiting for the flood. (laughs) (laughs) You know, his hair was kind of sticking out everywhere. His glasses, he had lost the screw. He had a nail that he had (laughs) bent over. They were broken here. They were taped. And then in the all time classic, the pastor introduced him to Pastor Mitchell. And when we walked away, Pastor Mitchell made this statement. He goes, I don't think that guy's used toilet paper for a month. He stinks. (laughs) Now, here's the classic this guy thinks. Can I give you my news? He thinks he has got it all together. And Pastor Mitchell says, you you need toilet paper, man. (laughs) That is the problem with us, is we can think, man, have I got it going on or what? And God is going like, you're kidding. We need someone to tell us the truth. Let's talk secondly about the personal process. There are some things that have to be in a pastor if he's going to make some disciples. Number one is you have to have a genuine concern for disciples. If I'm working with a disciple, I understand something about the process of ministry. I love to stir people for ministry, but I want to be honest with you. You are going to face some really, really big demons. And I want a couple to survive when they face things that I can't even describe to them. The problem is if you are a micromanager, what that means is as a pastor, if you are concerned only with how people will make you look, then it is that you will, you will not be able to work with people properly because you, may, you change the issues of discipleship from them to you. How will they make me look? One of the battles I had to fight a number of years back in Prescott was that we have numbers of returned pastors and men who have some level of experience in ministry. And they began to come to me and they, they wanted to uh, uh, dispute with me is that when we have a, uh, an outreach and a large event... You should not let these young, untried uh, disciples pull the altar calls. You need to tap us that have some experience so that we don't, that we don't, uh, they don't blow it. And so this was a battle that I fought. I said, absolutely not. I want to be honest with you. I have had disciples at times where at crucial moments they freeze or they. Blow it. I've had visiting speakers in and they come to our outreach and here's my star disciple. You know, he forgets to mention Jesus in the whole altar call and (laughs) that happens. And that, you know, that doesn't make me look good. But the problem is it's not about me. It's about the development. And I said, absolutely not. These men must learn. I'll do the best to instruct them, but it's live or die, baby. That's what ministry is all about. And so you have to have a genuine concern if you're going to make disciples. Number two, you have to have faith that God can change disciples. Anyone who works with people, you will come at points. You're going to be very frustrated. You're going to think in your mind, are these people ever going to get it? And some men come to the conclusion, you know what? The problem is there are no good men here. They start getting disciple envy. They, they look at somebody else's disciple. You know, the, the problem was he got the good city with all the good men. All I got was the funky psychos in mine. They're, they're just, no one wants to do the work for God. I want to tell you something uh, is that... Uh, it becomes dangerous when, when you, you hear a man and every time he talks about disciples, he talks about how stupid they are, they're dumb, and they're lazy and all that. I want to tell you something about disciples is disciples can change. Some of those stupid, funky disciples, they can change and become powerful men of God. And you have to have faith. The Bible says that David's man came to him in the cave at Adjelam. They were in distress and debt and they were discontented, but they became mighty men. And you have to believe that these guys that have hearts the size of peas and say stupid things and blow altar calls, that God can get a hold of them and make them into something powerful. The third issue we see in our scripture is wisdom in dealing with disciples. One of the major points, (laughs) excuse me, one of the major points of discipleship is that every man is unique, every man is different. If we had the Bible school method, We would give tests, and the problem with tests is they are uniform. Everybody takes the same test. Everybody has the same questions. Everybody has to give the same uh, answers. And that does not take into account the differences between men, differences in personality, (coughs) differences in character, differences in development or, or speeds. And so you have to have the ability to work with men on the level that they are at, where they are at, where their character and personality, and that may be different in in, uh, each different man. (coughs) In the scripture here, Jesus says to James and John, you know not what spirit you are of. He's not talking to all of them. James and John had this problem. To Peter, he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. He didn't say that to all of them. He said it to Peter. That's what Peter needed. And so when you have a personal relationship in discipleship, then in involvement in ministry, a disciple maker is able to see needs and issues and address them individually and perhaps differently for at different times or for different people. There are some men that I work with. They lack confidence severely then much of my relationship in, in uh, as a pastor is to be the pump what they need is encouragement no you can do it God's going to help you that's what they need there are other men they have heads the size of Texas they don't need a pump they need a pin that's my job is to bring you back to reality that's different than my insecure brother And there are others, they don't need the pin or the pump, they just don't get it. They need instruction. This is how you do an altar call. This is how you put together this. And so that may be different, in different cases. There's a fourth issue, has to do with a willingness to confront disciples. I want to be honest with you, is that sometimes the process of discipleship is no fun. Because how many of you know when you tell somebody the truth, not everybody says, why, thank you, brother, for sharing that with me. (laughs) You have people, you tell them the truth, they'll get mad. Have disciples that pout, which I hate above all things. They pout. I speak to them, tell them the truth. You had spinach in your teeth, bro. And then for the next 10 weeks, thinking, <laughs> why would you be mad at me? Because I told you how bad your breath was. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> they'll make it uncomfortable. Sometimes they'll begin to fight back or, or begin to criticize and, and find fault. I have a friend who's a pastor. We've been friends for 30 years or so. He's in the ministry. Every time I talk to him, we don't live close by, but every time I talk to him, he will always complain about the men in his church, various issues. He will tell me I got this guy and and he's got a funky attitude in ministry and blah, 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 this guy he won't, this guy will dominate things or whatever. (laughs) And so for a long time when he would tell me these things, I would... Give him the answer. Well, what you need to do is you need to talk to that guy. Take him aside and say, but then I realized the problem is not one of, it's not that he doesn't know what he needs to do. It's that he doesn't want the backlash. He is unwilling to look somebody in the eye and say, I'm not going to tolerate your funky attitude when you're on the platform anymore. He don't want them to pout or stop giving or whatever it is he's afraid of. And so this is an issue. Jesus, he tells somebody the truth, whether that's comfortable or not. That's the only way to make disciples. I want to say to you, this is in the normal course of life. I want you to notice this. Discipleship is not simply making lists of what's wrong with people. Brothers, stand up. Let me tell you 97 things that are wrong with you today. No, this is in the normal, that's the process of discipleship. Involvement in ministry and bands and, and all these things, things come to the surface. And in the normal course of life, now we deal with this. Yes, yes. And so here's the process of what God is doing. You know, the crucial factor in this is the heart of a disciple. Let me say to every disciple here, what you get out of a discipler or a pastor is up to you. Right, amen. Do you know we have people who attend the Prescott Church with Pastor Wayman Mitchell. You can't get better than that. But do you know it doesn't do them any good? They are worse off than somebody who has a struggling young pastor because of their heart. This is the crucial factor. If you have someone who tells you the truth, your heart determines what you get out of that. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. Proverbs 25, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will Draw it out. Two issues for disciples in your heart. Number one is, do you, will you allow your heart to be revealed? Or is the way that you operate in life is to cover up? Because what many people want to do in life, disciples want to cover anything bad. I want to get sent out. Everything is fine. What is that screaming in the background of my wife? I have no idea, Pastor. I believe she's enraptured in the spirit. No. <laughs> they cover up, but the, if you could successfully cover up the entire term of your discipleship, remember what I said? Ministry magnifies. You, you can cover up here. Listen, it will come out. It'll get bigger. It'll get worse. The second issue for a disciple's heart is how do you react when you are exposed? When God deals with you or when a pastor deals with you individually? Are you a powder? They say you cannot. Every man that I bring on staff as a concert director, one of the things I make very clear to them is if you are a powder, I cannot work with you. If I tell you something, if I gotta tell you the truth, if I gotta kick your butt over an issue, it is because I'm trying to make you a man of God. Don't ever pout on me. Don't ever go away and sulk or refuse to talk to me or look at me or get a funky attitude. Are you a powder? Do you become embittered? Do you stop trying when someone tells you the truth or do you learn the lesson and move on? Numbers, a number of years ago, I had two disciples. I was trying to break them in, in in preaching in the concert ministry. In doing so, I work individually with the men. <coughs> I explain to them what I want. I even have a little paper on what I'm uh, uh, wanting them to do in a, in a, in a uh, successful uh, altar call. That's technique. I'm not talking about anointing. This is a different issue. I will meet with them individually. I will show them how to deliver it, how to put something together. I give instruction. Both of these men, after all of that process, is they had both preached a couple of altar calls and they would not do what I told them to do. I get very specific. this, I want you to do it like this, did it at first, no, 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 no. Remember what I said, you didn't do that. Now, when you try again, both of them, they would not do what I said. And so I met with both of them. One day, and I said, listen, I've met with you both. I've told you exactly what you need to do. You are not doing, and the real issue is pride. You will not lift your voice because you're proud. And so I said, listen, if you will not do it the way I instructed you to do it, I will take you up. I will not let you do altar calls anymore. Is that clear? And I said it to both of them at the same time. What's fascinating to me is I think, actually, I think it was a, a Saturday when I said that. The following day, one of these young men came to me and said, Pastor, I I just don't think I should be doing altar calls. I just want to resign, take it easy for a while. Okay, whatever, dude. Obvious he was pouting. He came and confessed to me later on that he got mad at me because I told him the truth. And so that night he went out and looked at porno to punish me. Man is backslidden today, he is divorced today. I I told him the truth. The other man heard the exact same conversation, took it to heart, learned the lesson, moved on, and is preaching the gospel today. That's the heart. Same discipler. Same exact conversation, two different hearts. Because that is the process of personal discipleship. See, what you get out of discipleship in some ways is up to you. I'm confident at the end of this weekend, I don't know, a hundred, a couple hundred people here this morning, is that you are probably going to get something different out of this weekend than the person who's sitting in the front front of you, behind you. Because discipleship's personal. God deals personally. But in some ways, our heart becomes the determining factor. I want to close finally with the personal God. We must never lose sight of the fact that God is involved in the discipleship process. It is His plan. He's the one who told us to make disciples of all nations. And if it is His plan, then He is going to help us. He is going to work on us. Philippians 1, 6, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. If God is involved, let me tell you something You can try, present your good side. You can pretend all that. Because God is involved, he arranges things to expose our heart. He doesn't want you to fool other people. So he arranges in the process of life. For some people, that will be relationships that expose. Others, it will be disappointment that exposes. Others, it will be, what happens in their finances or opportunities or rejection. The Bible says it was storms or crisis one time that caused the disciples to cry out. And so this is God. In our scripture here, God arranged rejection so that these men's small little pea hearts would be exposed. They were were doing pretty good. Go cast out devils. Heal the sick. Man, feed the fire. That was great. But then God caused. They're, they're just walking along with Jesus one day and caused them to be rejected. And when they're rejected, they go, man, you want us to kill them all, Lord? Ah, God set you up. Listen, that's what God does. Yeah, have you ever been set up by God? Yeah, something happened and then you open your mouth and the moment you you said I shouldn't have said that because you just exposed yourself. That's God. I want to tell you something about God. If you want God to speak to you, he will. This is the crucial fact. We don't want to be blinded. If you want to do God's will, verse 55, he rebuked them and said, God is able to speak to you. A little while ago, I had a man at the end of a Sunday night service. I'm standing at the altar after the service is finished, talking to people, you know, people want to, uh, counseling, want to speak to you about a number of issues. had a man who came up and he asked me a question. He said, Pastor Greg, I realize that I've been saved for a number of years and I realize I've been messing around. I, there, there are things in me that are hurting me. He said, "I want you to tell me what's wrong with me. Tell me what's holding me back in discipleship." He was very earnest. He was very honest about this. Now, several things. Number one, I didn't immediately leap in with a list. Number one, because I've learned something. Not everybody who says, "Pastor, if you can see anything, just tell me," they're lying. That's number one. Number two is I had been involved in some some heavy-duty manure shoveling. I felt like my brain had been sucked out with a vacuum cleaner. So uh, he's, at, you know, tell me, what's wrong with me? And I go, and I said, brother, i tell you what, you know, I'm not comfortable just right here at the altar me rattling off a list. I said, what I want you to do is I want you to pray for a week. I want you to ask God. If you really want to know what's wrong with you, you talk to God, ask him what's wrong with you. Ask him what you need to work on. In a week, we'll meet, and then you tell me what God says. And be honest with you, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I was buying time. <laughs> okay, I, I wish to say this was a grand stretch. I was buying time, and that'll give me a week to think. I met a week later, and I asked him, you talk to God? He says, oh, yes, I did. So what did God say? And he said, this is what God told me, and he told me two issues that were exactly what was killing him. I said, that's very good. Yeah, that's... Uh. <laughs> because God is really, really smart. And, and he loved this man. If you want to know the truth, there's nothing wrong with God's mouth. He can tell you. But finally, this is more than a Program. When you have the will of God, the heart of a pastor and the heart of a disciple who all are working together, then God comes down and he supplies something we don't have. Classic story often referred to is Elisha after receiving the mantle in 2 Kings 2, he walks up to the Jordan River and he cries out, where is the God of Elijah? And when he smites the water, it parted this way and that he crossed over. And the Bible says that the sons of the prophets said the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. Uh, yeah. I'm talking about a dimension God can supply some. This is my hope. My job as a disciple maker, I will tell men the truth. I will instruct them. I will teach them certain things. But at the end of the day is my prayer for them and what they must cry out for is a supernatural dimension that will change them, number one, equip them, number two, and prepare them for ministry and overcome all of the demons and all of the problems that they're going to face. We must have God. I close with this story. A number of years ago, we had to come into the Prescott congregation. The son of some missionaries, Jack and Jen Miller, have a son. His name is Tim. Tim Miller came, and when he was in Africa, Tim was a demon. (coughs) He was involved in all kinds of nonsense, moved to Prescott, and stayed a demon. Coming to church, and and, uh, he was a little dirtbag. I had to watch him all the time, and... (laughs) Got involved in a terrible car accident, almost died, had to be airlifted to another city. You'd think that would cause somebody, I need it. No, 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 no. Some people are determined to be stupid. How many of you know this? He's still the same. And so comes back. Then there's a girl in the church, uh, Yesenia Morales. Uh, she was, she was. Uh, it looked like she was determined to be a little hoochie mama. She was another one. and so I'm These are the kind of people, as a pastor, I'm counseling, I'm talking, but I'm watching, you know what I mean? And there are people, i got to watch them. I go, what are they doing? Because I know they're trouble. That was Tim and Yosemite. They both were trouble. But God got a hold of their hearts. They got saved. They got powerfully converted. Wound up uh, courting, got married. And they decided to get serious for God. It fascinates me, something about marriage. You ever notice this? When people get married, they never stay the same. Is they, I've seen people get married, and they go... <laughs> they go downhill, or I see them go uphill, but they never stay the same. I don't know, there's something about marriage that's profound. And Tim and Yosem, were one of those. They got married, and they got serious about God. They changed... Laid hold of God. Tim was a, a question every day. We ultimately became concert director every day. He'd have lists of questions. He, he took my admonition to heart. If you're a disciple, you should be thinking, why do we do this? Pastor, why do we have altar? Why do we, you know, constantly asking questions, learning the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. We sent them out of the July conference into San Marcos, California. One week later, we sent them. I give instructions, I'm I'm telling them, you're getting a house, you do that. But the moment you hit the ground, your job is to win souls. A few weeks ago before I went to uh, uh, South Africa, he uh, had texted me. They uh, are not open yet. They've just found a building, they're working on it right now. They've had no events yet. I think in the four and a half weeks that up until he sent me the text, he sent me a text that just in personal witnessing, he and his wife and Bible studies in their apartment, they had had 50 people saved so far. I want to tell you something. That is something that God changes people. That's the heart. Now, I've had other people who've sat under the same pastor and they're getting worse. It's the heart. Listen to me, wherever you're at, do you want to change? Do you want to reach your potential? Do you want to make history like our brother was talking about? Because that's your heart. We could leave here with a commitment. Of God, God, I want to be different. I don't want to come back next year for the rally and be the same funky person I am today. Amen. I want to be different. I want to be, be a blessing to my pastor. I want to win souls. I want to change other people's lives. That's something God will work personally on us. If you're you're a pastor here, your job is to work personally with men to cry out to God, God, what does this man need? What does that couple need so that we can make disciples and send them into the nations? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.